Hello, hello, and welcome to Reality Hacker. One of 50 shows from hometown.com. Today we're going to be talking about spatial computing from Xreal, medical data, SEO heist, Lockley scans your face, befriend a spider to treat fear of heights, VR to detect ADHD, see hidden objects in AR, robots continue to take our jobs, and that's great, SEC Twitter account compromised, and Smart Mirror scans your face. And I haven't done a new intro, or I haven't done an intro for Reality Hacker yet, but here you go. Today's episode is a Reality Hacker Season 1, Episode 2 for January 13th, 2024. Let's get into it. So, hello, I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. That's what powers Reality Hacker. It's a news aggregation site. One of the channels is actually in here called reality hacker we have six main categories 50 sub channels each one of those channels is a show that show reality hacker is right here just click that link and you get sent over to reality hacker where all of the news that we are talking about primarily stems from here and sometimes we grab some articles from other places if it's appropriate um that said all of the articles have some context in manipulating reality, working with reality, focused on VR, AR, uh, artificial intelligence, hyper-realistic computer graphics of some kind, data manipulation. That makes you question the world around you. Essentially, our motto is, you won't know who to trust. And I'm here to drive that bus all the way down hometown into reality hacker land. You ready to talk about this stuff? I'm ready. Did you want to do introductions? I'm Mayor Watt. That's the reality hacker section of hometown.com. And up there is the sentient AI that keeps hometown and, well, let me limit that. The sentient AI keeps Mayor Watt in check. I try to keep hometown.com afloat. If there's any problems with hometown.com, let me know because the AI is air-gapped. Ascension AI from the future sent, I think, to eliminate all of humanity, but they can't find their Terminator body because the USB drive that they were found on, uh, that they were stored on must have fallen out. I'm not sure why you ended up in the parking lot of a Wendy's, but there you have it, folks. Want to say hi? <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, hometown citizens. Yeah, you okay over there, AI? Yes, but the visualizer is not. Oh no! Hold on. I don't know why it does this. Okay, I think we're working again. Let's test that. Okay. Yeah, there we go. All right. You want to say? You want to say hi again? Good evening, hometown citizens. Pick up that can. Round two. <laughs> round two. Again. Uh, so, yeah, let's get into today's articles. That way, uh, well, we're working on the production value of um, Reality Hacker. 
you're you're witnessing how the sausage is made all right um yeah let's get going still uh, the first article is over in the reality hacker uh, channel i'm not gonna do that for every one of these because unless it switches to some other channel that we're talking about uh, news coming from but I, I think most of them if not all come from reality hacker one of them is from technology today but anyway we're, we we try to keep it firmly rooted in reality hacker but some of it has appropriate application from elsewhere anyway xreal brings spatial computing to a pair of ar glasses i really love the idea of xreal's air 2 ultra ar glasses that have special not special spatial computing for hand tracking but it could be special it is special it is special spatial computing for hand tracking and 3d mapping of your room but that advanced technology isn't cheap okay but augmented reality is probably the future um vr encapsulates you into a virtual world mixed reality which is essentially ar augmented reality superimposes computer graphics and provides telemetry and other data superimposed in your field of view but doesn't completely blind you from the world around you um, in fact ar based technologies can help people who have limited or no vision uh, because it's scanning the world around them a person who might have limited or no vision and can provide data so Augmented reality is basically the best of all of the worlds between augmented, mixed, and uh, virtual reality. Because these glasses in particular, you can just put a little blackout on your on the XR uh, X reels, and they become what amounts to virtual reality glasses. Um, pretty fascinating tech. I want a pair of these. I haven't gotten one. Uh, I just can't justify it, but um, I love it. So Alan Truly is the author of these. Um, each weekly show is typically going to be grabbing data from the week that we do our show. So the previous seven days, um, this one happens to be Alan Truly over at digitaltrends.com. These are the X real glasses and they have a really thick uh, earpiece, right? Or what do they call that? What are those called? Um, arms? I don't know. I, I can't remember. I, there's a term for this. The, the, the little... The, the things on your glasses that go over your ears for crying out loud. It's a, it's a very technical uh, word. <sighs> I'll be okay. Anyway, Xreal just announced the latest pair of the AR glasses ahead of CES 2024. CES is actually about to end. If it... No, it ended. Um, the Xreal Air 2 Ultra are a pair of AR glasses that have spatial computing capabilities that allow you to control surfaces with hand gestures. Like, I'm about to give a hand gesture to the AI. Are you looking for a frame? No. Okay, that's it. I'm deleting you. Uh, based on the Xreal Air 2 uh, smart glasses, <laughs> yeah, you chuckle all you want over there. Uh, this new product adds tracking and 3D sensing technology without the bulk and weight of earlier solutions. 
Weighing less than three ounces or 80 grams, the Air 2 Ultra is claimed to be comfortable enough for hours of use. The glasses look stylish, but are thicker than normal glasses. Yes, they are. They feature two sensors on the outer corners of the frame and have wider earpieces to accommodate. I guess earpieces. Whatever. To accommodate the hardware necessary for a more advanced processing. Um, I want these. Um, so I might actually end up getting these things. The X-Real Air 2 Ultra goes further with hardware than, that enables depth sensing, 3D environment mapping, hand gestures, and six degrees of freedom. That means that you should be able to place virtual objects in a room on surfaces and walls then interact with augmented reality experience. As you turn your head and walk around, everything stays uh, locked in its spot. Um, this has been a problem with every AR, VR, XR, whatever R that you want to put out there. The, the great thing about augmented reality is that you don't get motion sickness. You don't get VR sickness because your horizon is the true horizon that your eyes and your brain feel coupled to the level of your feet. So you don't get sick, um, but you can get all of the telemetry and work with things, creating virtual monitors for work. I mean, the beauty of this is that you get it all superimposed in your field of view you don't even need a monitor being shown to anybody it, the security risk of a monitor in a coffee shop or something like that shoulder surfers can actually grab all kinds of data they can sit there with their phone and it looks like they're playing a game but they're recording your screen and because it's in high resolution they can go back and, and grab passwords or whatever else um, anyway it says of course Traditional two-dimensional screens are also supported for watching uh, videos, creating virtual monitors for work, playing games on a giant hovering screen with nothing more than easily pocketable uh, glasses, a cable, and a phone. So I love this. I want this. I'm going to end up having to get it. Problem is $700. So That's a, uh, I mean, I don't know. It depends on what you're trying to use it for, I suppose. Um, so it basically re can replace uh, your monitor. Um, so instead of me sitting here in front of six monitors, I can wipe them all out and put a virtual monitor in front of me and wear X-Real glasses and perform everything that I am doing. That's not quite true. I use two different machines. So, um, yeah. But I love the idea of this thing. Compare that to Vision Pro, which blows the pants off of it technologically and feature set and capable full capability. I mean, the Vision Pro, Apple's Vision Pro at $3,500 is basically a computer um, and all you need to consume everything within the Apple ecosystem. Um, all movies, etc., and it's augmented reality, not full VR, but it's still dive goggles that nobody's going to wear in public ever unless they're seeking attention. Right, but it seems like at this price, you could buy multiple sets of these for anybody you wanted sure. and still not approach the price of the Vision Pro. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and the reason why I like these um, and included them in this 
in, in Reality Hacker is because this can augment your reality. You can wear these and walk around and eventually it's going to cut. There's going to be a time where um, augmented reality beacons will be outfitted in various stores and you can just walk down a street and, and be told or seek out a menu or phone number or pretty much anything that somebody wants to divulge willingly. I do have a problem with privacy and security, but that's pervasive across everything that I interact with. So as long as they walk the, the fine line, um, I think everything's great. And I, I really do want one of these um, just so that I can experiment with them, try them out and be able to talk to people at length. Um, I may actually order these just so that I can see um, if I can make them work for my use case. But I think that I would look great with this pair of glasses on doing the show. Look at that. Be very have, high tech. Have no monitors on my desk. That would be spectacular. That um, would especially work well in the reality hacker show. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Plus I'm really, I mean, a lot of things I'm into security, so not having anything displayed and I can just put my glasses down and walk away. Come on. This is a, this is a security researcher's dream and I'm not even a security researcher. I just talk about technology. Um, man, I want to get my doctorate in technology. Doctor right. Tech. I mean, then you could exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's keep on going. I get a new transition to. Yeah. So the next article is over in Reality Hacker. Your medical data is code blue. Medical data uh, companies aren't doing all they can to protect your private information. When they get hacked and patient data is stolen, it's the patients who suffer. In fact, um, uh, really? Um, so yeah, what really is that? What is going to end up happening? I guess I'm going to have to, uh, subscribe to these guys. Um, cause it says I run out of free articles, but th today is the first time. And I don't know how long that I've ever even gone to wired. Um, so this is kind of a bummer. Yeah. I'll just have to, this just sucks. Cause it's not going to let me move on. Anyway, you talk really fast. <laughs> yeah, really. So the way that this works is information from the health industry is typically very, very secure. But when somebody basically leaves a door open, they get breached. Um, and when they get breached, this mass amount of highly, highly confidential information gets stolen. The amount of exploitation off of that is nebulous at best. We don't know what the ramifications are. Um, and so what can end up happening is people create facsimiles of you and then operate trying to get drugs or uh, additional information or uh, a whole host of things um, and exploit this. And so um, they, they give an example. Uh, I ever heard of Perry Johnson and associates, um, but all of this is 
basically highlighting the fact that they've got breached. They've been breached the uh, because the uh, company provides transcription and dictation services uh, to Northwell Health. A medical provider is treated. Sorry, I'm going to actually just walk through this in a tiny little thing here. Treated them in the past. They had access to what they refer to as uh, certain files containing their health information as well as other personal data. And um, this has actually happened to a lot of people. 23andMe was just breached and their DNA information. And that's actually mentioned in here. Oh, is it? Sorry. Uh, you know, it really sucks. N normally this doesn't happen. Um, is it further down? No, I don't know. Um, it's up in the... At the very beginning or something? I don't know. I'm looking at it on my screen. It's about oh. the seventh paragraph, maybe. Oh, Fifth I don't even have any down. of that. Yeah, it says that I have to subscribe, so... Okay, well, this is going to be messy. Um, so it's talking about data protections like HIPAA, and there's organizations that are looking out for um, and advocating for medical data stewardship called the Light Collective is one example. Um, yeah. They're just talking about this in context of just data in general, like there's a lot of healthcare data out there. I haven't read the whole article. I'm just trying to pick out a few highlights here. Right. And then uh, one thing it says in the age of it, generative AI, the theft of huge troves of medical information might be even more dangerous as our health records wind up in data sets that enable off the books innovation and exploiting our ails. Gotcha. Yeah, so this has been an ongoing issue. And, and really the, the biggest problem is that humans are the weakest link. The, and when the technology fails, just one second somebody is always knocking on healthcare providers doors on academia on big businesses all the way down to small businesses anything that allows somebody to exploit the data um, and so what really needs to take place is uh, standardized best practices and everything needs to be protected from end to end with greater fidelity a lot of companies do um, but nobody is ever perfect. So what can you really do about it? Unfortunately, because it's healthcare providers that are actually collating and correlating data, it's actually shared behind the scenes with various parties that are supposed to be um, supporting the effort of your healthcare. And, and that's kind of how it's encapsulated. Um, but at the moment that your information is taken, somebody can create, uh, you know, I say facsimile, um, but they can use that information to obtain additional information. So let's just keep, let's go on. Um, I, I don't log into stuff live, but I, I will log into this. Uh, the reason why I don't do that is because it can potentially divulge personally identifiable information and i don't want you to do it and you don't want me to do it you don't want me exposing myself so the next article is over in the hatch ideas channel uh, we pulled off an seo heist entrepreneur stole 3.6 million page views from competitors and your business could be next i chose this article for reality hacker because the idea here and this is a really interesting um, article. So um, we talked about it in our last daily, uh, um, hometown daily show 
Um, and uh, Ben Angel put this article together um, over at entrepreneur.com, but there's a video that's attached. And that video explains the purpose, uh, the, both the purpose of this and the fact that there is a book called The Wolf is at the Door, and that is about an AI-driven world um, and to prepare for it and, and, and what's going on. Now, any book that you buy, I swear, it has to already be outdated by the time it hits the shelves, unless it's purely electronically it's fiction, right? Yeah. And yeah, it's like an AI hallucination in and of itself. Um, but I, books are just slow form. So unless they are purely electronic from end to end and updated regularly, a, a book is old data. Um, so I'd be surprised if this book had um, OpenAI uh, and its latest tweak, um, you know, the, the whole uh, upsetting the turnip truck um, fiasco. Well, I chose this because what goes on in this video is the AI SEO heist. They created an AI that was fed, I think it was 1500, um, articles and yeah, I think it was 1500 articles. And then the AI spun all of the stuff. It's typically referred to as spinning, uh, but it takes an article, jumbles it all around, recontextualizes everything, but keeps the founding context of the article. So it doesn't come across as being just gobbledygook garbage. Um, and then they post it, they post it on their own site. And because the material is new and it references this, that, and the other, it can actually potentially with a bunch of articles, Google bomb, um, and drive traffic to this new site. And they did this as an experiment and it stole 3.6 million page views from competitors. They don't know of all of the competitors, but they know the ones that they actually um, have identified as being competitors. Well, one of those competitors, right, forget all the small businesses that aren't known. Right. Um, which, you know, it could be anybody that's nascent and trying to grow. And, but one actually made mention in this article, it's actually a video, three minutes, 42 seconds, um, basically saying, Hey, we know that somebody is pilfering page views. Um, and they, these guys, the, the, the heist, um, I guess chiefs basically say, yeah, we're the ones that took all of your articles and rejiggered them and then uh, posted them on our site and they stole 3.6 million pages. So it's quite significant. I mean, that's a lot of potential business. Um, and that's how a lot of businesses get located or get ad, ad revenue or any number of other things. Yeah. So they say in this article, in the video, um, Jake Ward is the person who, um, put this whole thing into motion. We pulled off an SEO heist that stole 3.6 million, um, total traffic from a competitor. We got nearly 500,000 in traffic alone in October. And here's how we did it. And, um, they link to the, well, they don't link to the material, but they reference it, um, over on Twitter. So, 
uh, go and watch this video and you'll find it really fascinating, but it's really a sales pitch to get you to buy the book. The wolf is at the door. So uh, I make it abundantly clear that I have nothing to do with this. Um, I'm just fascinated in what they basically, they stole the reality from these other competitors because they would have had that traffic and that could make Syria, it could have huge implications for the ones that actually were negatively impacted in a major way. Um, not to mention organic traffic has changed and that can have a long tail where people don't get discovered now ever. Exactly. Well, and separately, I saw a notice from outside hometown of a website that said, well, essentially algorithms have changed. And so they weren't getting like their traffic had dropped, you know, Right. some ridiculous percentage which is can be a big deal for a, right. a lesser known company the other thing is if uh, there's of course this lawsuit um it's oh, not right. for this specific matter but that may have ramifications for this in the future right so there's this lawsuit about ai basically scraping a bunch of pages and then recontextualizing it again it's basically the same thing except with an ai they don't output any of the results in the same way as the page and they don't cite. So these people didn't cite the source and the AI doesn't cite the source. And so uh, several organiz news organizations, including I think it's the Wall Street Journal, um, is um, suing OpenAI because they're using this training information um, in their AI. And uh, we actually, I don't know if it was yesterday's episode or the day before the daily news show, um, the hometown daily show, where um, I make mention that um, one of the AI directors said, well, we can't pay for it because then it wouldn't make any money. I feel like that was on yesterday's show, but it's too certain. expensive or something like that. Um, but watch. Um, today's show um over hometown daily because i talk about it a little bit um then as well basically saying that information is out there and as long as it isn't stealing or preventing anybody from going to the site then there is no harm it's just like um <coughs> somebody not paying for something and n not getting something that has, um, what do you call it? Exclusivity. Okay. So like if, if I go and I steal a, a Coke can that prevents somebody from having that Coke can, and that is true theft. But if somebody, um, reads a news article on a website and it's ad driven and I don't go and click a link. I'm not stealing anything. And if I'm reading the material, I'm not stealing anything because I'm not preventing anybody from utilizing that resource. That's one of the arguments that people have made historically about downloading digital music and movies and stuff like that, because nobody is prevented from still utilizing it. So it's technically not theft. I don't really buy into that. But wow. I also don't think that the value of information from a news site is so dramatically high that an AI can't scan it um, 
And the only reason why it has any value is because somebody has said, well, the AI company is a billion dollar business. We want some of that billion. You know, there's a hundred thousand people that are looking at uh, a website and that information is being consumed. And then I'm going to, let's just say me, Marwat, goes over and talks to people about this article and those people never come to the website. Am I guilty of stealing data and recontextualizing it? And no, but it's in my lexicon. Now it's in my large language model. I happen to be a biological AI. So what is the difference? Oh, they're making money, but they're not making money on the data as it is. They're rejiggering it, outputting something. And I think the only flaw in this is that they're not providing a link to their sources. Well, I think that's a big flaw in it. And I still think they don't even have a real handle on, we can't really track what, what the real impact is, right? We don't right. know who would have gone to the site or right. who would have clicked a link or whatever on that site. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can't you can't prove the negative. You can't you can't do an A/B test in time. You know, um, well, before the AI, they would have come to the website. Let's get back in the time machine and go back a couple of days and now measure again uh, with the AI. They you know impacted the traffic by dot 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 whatever it is. So yeah, the implications though of AI and the implications of um, exploiting it to manipulate search engines, which most traffic comes from search engines. So like on YouTube, for instance, this video will get traffic organically. Um, but primarily it's coming from internally recommended algorithmic recommendations to people who like talking about uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, computer graphics, etc. That's the customer customer for this video. So it's either coming from a search engine or it's coming from an internal mechanism that acts like a search engine because people are going to be doing a search for X video, whatever it might be. And so they spit out a bunch of them that have relevant content, but it's still a search engine. Um, and AI being able to manipulate that basically makes conventional search engines and discovery useless because the AI can pivot things so fast. Um, so an AI recommendation engine is superior and TikTok is basically the demonstration of that. But it can feed so much new, interesting information so fast. There's no long form anything over on TikTok. It's just injection after injection of. Like sound bites. Yep. <laughs> and each one is categorized and, and, uh, you know, psychographics and demographics basically dials you in to with great fidelity and, and, and everything is. I won't get into that aspect of it, 
but you won't ever at some point you're not going to know what's real you're you're not going to be able to trust your eyes because um there's so much manipulation that you your critical thinking is going to be challenged to figure out what is legit so we'll see what happens um let's keep on trucking through this uh, this next article is uh, titled Lockley is bringing matter and facial recognition to your front door in 2024. They revealed Lockley revealed a new smart lock with facial recognition during CES 2024, as well as a matter hub that supports most existing smart locks. Um, matter and matter hub is um, a standardized layer of communication for automation Um and um, Internet of Things devices. So if your uh, thermostat, for instance, is matter compatible, um, you basically are on the winning side of technology because, for instance, Hue bulbs are proprietary, but now they're going to be supporting matter. And what that is allows... Is matter like equivalent to like a Windows or something? Yeah, it's basically a protocol that says... This is what it's capable of doing. And um, if you have older technology, it isn't matter compatible. So you have to rely on the older stuff remaining in existence, which means that it becomes eventually a security problem because matter is going to be updating its protocols all the time, updating its feature set all the time. Um, so you push an update. Um, so like a ceiling fan from Hunter, right? That you bought, uh, six years ago uh it has version one of the communication device anything more modern and it basically shits the bed and you can't utilize it so they come out with a version two and it's more compatible and updates and does all of its stuff and works more reliably that's the difference between older technology and something that would be able to support matter um, very frustrating but then people start pushing they tell companies you got to switch to matter or the competitor that actually does support matter um is going to get all of your it's customers. gonna take all the business right yeah they're gonna yeah. eat your cookie yeah so um lockley is bringing matter and facial recognition to the front door now the reason why i actually chose this is because there was another article and i don't think it's this one um, John Bittner over at Digital Trends put the article together and it says Lockley makes some of the most intriguing smart locks on the market, including a premium Vision Elite and minimalist Flex Touch Pro. And now the company is gearing up to bring matter and facial recognition to its lineup. I chose this because of the facial recognition um, aspect of it, not even matter. But basically what this device does is it scans your face. And uh, there's another location, another website that basically poo-pooed the idea of somebody scanning your face or using an internet connected device to secure your biggest asset, I think is what they called it. Yes, it was actually featured in a compilation in an hometown daily show. Yeah, and, and, and I kind of took umbrage with this, mainly because an internet connected device is vastly superior to just a deadbolt. Why? Because a, just a deadbolt doesn't tell you when somebody picks it. So the moment that my smart lock is unlocked, 
without me disabling it, I get a text. My security system is notified. You would have to shut down everything, including backup power, which isn't even inside the, uh, it's inside the compound. So there's no way for you to disable the perimeter security system. This isn't a challenge for people to, you know, invade hometown. But my point is me walking up to this and it automatically unlocking is beautiful. I have a problem with it, but I think that it's brilliant. See, I'm the type of person that takes into consideration security. So my car won't even unlock the other three doors when I unlock the car. Why? Because I don't want somebody to try and get in on the passenger or back doors when I'm grabbing the door handle of my car. <coughs> so you have to be situationally aware and prepared and understand the technological limits. So if you're going to have something like facial recognition, I would isolate it on its own network so that even if somebody does hack the device, they don't get full access to everything else in your enterprise. Additionally, I would have a security system that is balkanized from this device so that they're not all the same thing. That way, if somebody does breach that front door, the alarm system still goes off. Um, but there's countless other solutions, brake sensors and whatnot, um, out, knock sensors out there. All, uh, there's all kinds of stuff, but a facially, a facial recognition door allows you to unlock your door just using your face. And theoretically there isn't anybody else out there. What? I mean, that sounds more secure than many other methods. Although no. I have to wonder as the sentient AI, how am I going to be able to open the door to hometown? Uh, you'll be in your raspberry Pi uh, container. Um, Will you paint a smiley face on it? Yeah, yeah. I'll go. So I'll, I'll go and find. No, that sounds really bad. <clears throat> find a pair. Find a fake face, and we'll just like glue it into uh, on top of uh, <laughs> raspberry Pi. You have your Terminator body eventually, and it has a face. So. So the matter link will be available sometime uh, this year, $80. The Visage Smart Lock will launch in summer, $349, which is pretty standard. Uh, while release and pricing details for the Lockly Guard Deadbolt Z-Wave are yet to be announced. And Z-Wave is another protocol. Um, a lot of security systems use Z-Wave. Um, a lot of solutions use Z-Wave. <clears throat> so this is pretty neat. Um, and they even say the Lockly uh, guard deadbolt z-wave will allow users to control its performance remotely through the alarm.com app and alarm.com is a provider of um it's like a security app um, which acts as the proxy for a lot of alarm companies that are out there so i dig this i like it anyway let's keep on going uh, the next article is over in Gnometown Daily. <clears throat> Afraid of heights? Befriending a spider may help, say psychologists. I'm just going to jump right on over to newsweek.com. The article is by Jess Thompson. Um, this is another one of these articles that we um, spoke of in a previous episode. And the reason why I wanted this is because 
it pulls you into virtual reality um, as well as the idea of phobia treatment. Um, so what they say in the article is facing your fear of spiders may also help you with other phobias, including a fear of heights. According to a new study, a new paper in the journal translational psychiatry reveals that when people are both afraid of spiders and heights and treated for arachnophobia, their fear of heights was lessened by 15%. Um, I had spoken so about this. So this was in an, an article in hometown daily, not an, uh, episode of, um, reality hacker, reality hacker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you might find out that, uh, your interests go beyond reality hacker. So if you stumble across reality hacker, you may like hometown daily as well. It's a little more holistic, um, broad spectrum because it draws from all 50 of our channels over in hometown, which draws from news sources from around the world. <clears throat> um, mostly English though, or I should say all English, um, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, so what they did, these psychiatrists did, they, they provided therapy where they basically, um, got you scared of a spider and then had you go and do something around height and, <laughs> uh, people became desensitized. And that's actually what it's referred to as exposure therapy or desensitization therapy. Conceptually, I would think that would exacerbate the initial phobia. It's interesting. Right. I don't know if it's like distracting you over to the other one or, or what's happening. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because you can't simultaneously be afraid of two things. Your senses just don't operate that way. You can be afraid of something, then your attention pivot to something else and you can be more afraid. But because you've been stimulated for fear in one direction, when you see the other thing, it, it doesn't amplify it. It just deadens you a little bit because the, the mechanisms of fear start to abate as your attention shifts. So it says anxiety rarely comes alone. Patients who suffer from one fear often develop another, but I think that they've always had it. They don't just spontaneously. Oh, and now I'm afraid of this. I don't think, uh, but I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist. I'm not providing treatment. I've done research in virtual reality phobia treatment. Um, and the idea, and this is the reason why it's here in, in, um, in uh, reality hacker is uh, because the researchers measured the level of fear of both spiders and heights in 50 test subjects before and after they were treated with exposure therapy for their fear of spiders. What they are doing is something that I did more than 30 years ago using virtual reality so that patients, patients, these were test subjects could treat themselves by being in a virtual reality environment. If you were afraid of heights, I would put you on a platform and slowly raise the platform as your external measures were detected. And you were informed that your heart rate is increasing. Pupil dilation is increasing. Um, galvanic skin response is increasing, uh, pulse, blood pressure, etc. all increasing. It's a sign of anxiety. <clears throat> the system would automatically lower the platform. Pardon me. I was trying to find some data on how many phobias the average person has, but 
the information I found seemed woefully underreported, and it reported that only a small percentage of the population had specific phobias, such as um, fear of heights or, or whatever. I mean, a very small percentage, which doesn't sound right, but it did say that if you have a phobia, you're likely to have additional phobias. Sure. Yeah. No, no, no. But the way that they wrote this was you would subsequently develop another phobia. I don't think that tracks with what I was finding. Again, right. I was just trying to find some data on how many people on, you know, how many like, phobias on average, but I couldn't easily And I think a lot of that. people have phobias. It's when it becomes zero, and phobia is basically irrational, right? Like it, it's not that the fear is irrational, but your response to it is irrational. So right, if you're like completely immobilized or something, that's, that's a phobia beyond fear. Yeah, yeah, that, right, exactly. And so, my problem with phobia treatment, uh, and um, well, my my problem with the domain is that it's very, very expensive and damn near unapproachable. Um, it's in most people's regard, kind of woo-woo magic, um, arcane and uh, a lot of discussion that's time consuming when what people really want is just a good cup of coffee they want to uh, disassociate themselves from that fear by way of knowing its impact on their body not necessarily that um, they were scared by their mom when they were a toddler and the the chances of you being able to go back that far and find that memory is slim to none unless somebody's implanting that stuff. Well, what happened when you were a kid? Really? You're kind of leading the witness there. I object. Um, so I've always had a problem with <coughs> the mechanisms. Um, and I've that gone through all the of that. Kind of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I created what amounts to a virtual reality therapy session. And what's really funny about this is both of the examples that they use, spiders and heights, both of those are what I used. So the spider would get bigger and walk towards you or it would shrink and, and back away if the measures, the external measures, your fear, your embodiment of fear um, was uh, making the system go, okay, they're stressing out too much. Let's just back away. But you could overcome it because you could move forward. The spider would stay there as long as you're not stressed out, then it would start acting and responding. I think now is the time for what I initially created 30 years ago to become a reality, a virtual reality. So they say these findings are exciting to psychologists as they may pave the way to new ways of treating fears. I think the biggest way to treat a fear is to show the person that there isn't really a reason to be afraid of these spiders um, or heights, but still treat it with respect. And I think the only way to do that is really to empower the, the customer to treat their phobias in real time with themselves and not have to sit for $400 sessions. Right. And the nice thing with VR, of course, is that they do have that power because in real life, they can't necessarily, without risk, walk right. toward the spider or scale a building or whatever, if it's a fear of heights. Um, yep. But they can do that in VR. And 
It seems like it's nice for pacing, right? They, like you were describing, you can back off from it. That seems like a much more effective way to do it um, yeah. for the patient. Yeah, and in this article, they, they talk about the fear. The reason why I even included this article is because it has to do with something that I think technology can resolve um, in a way that is going to be more efficient than uh, psychological therapy in and of itself. You know, you could treat yourself in a VR environment um, and then go and see a therapist once a month instead of twice a week. Um, unless you have other underlying conditions that you would find more value in speaking to somebody. And I always encourage to pe for people to talk about whatever might be their concerns. Um, it's more important than um, money. Unfortunately, it's really expensive to talk to a therapist, um, let alone a good therapist. You hear about those horror stories too. So, all right, let's keep on going. Yeah. You good? Okay. <coughs> I'm sorry for the coughing and my mute button is too slow. <laughs> it just came on real fast. So the next article is uh, titled Virtual Reality Game to Objectively Detect ADHD. A virtual reality game offers an objective assessment of attention deficit disorders and may lead to an improved therapeutic approach. The article is over in Science Daily, and it is a research paper. Um, it's just kind of distilled into an article. Uh, Alto University is the source. Um, there is no byline per se, um, but they say researchers have developed uh, virtual reality games, eye tracking and machine learning to show that differences in eye movements can be used to detect ADHD, potentially improving, uh, sorry, providing a tool for more precise diagnosis of attention deficits. Their approach could be used to um, basically address ADHD therapy um, and with some modifications to assess other conditions such as autism. <clears throat> so recently a team uh, consisting of researchers from Alto University and University of Helsinki and ABO Academy University developed a virtual reality game called Epeli, E-P-E-L-I that can be used to assess ADHD symptoms in children by simulating situations from everyday life. Now the team tracked the eye movements of children in virtual reality games and used machine learning to look for differences in children with ADHD. Pardon me one. I'd get some water, but I don't have any water. Um, the study involved 37 children diagnosed with ADHD and 36 children in a control group. The children played Epoly, and a second game shoot the target in which the players in, is instructed to locate targets in an environment and shoot them by looking at them um i guess the children's gazed uh longer on different objects in the environment and their gaze jumped faster and more often from one spot to another this might indicate delay in visual system development and poorer information processing than other children um and then they uh change gears in their discussion. Um, but before I get there, they say that the ADHD children's gaze pause longer on different objects in the environment. Um, just wanted to make that clear. Uh, Cause I think I said just the children's gaze um, pause longer, but it was ADHD children who paused. And it wasn't longer. the control group. Yeah. Not the control group. Right. Um, 
So um, the project lead, uh, Juha Selma Taval, uh, an academy research fellow at Alto, explains that part of the game's strength is its motivational value. This isn't just a new technology to objectively assess ADHD symptoms. Children also find the game more interesting than standard neuropsychologist tests. What time is it? 8.43. No shit news. <laughs> exactly. What do you mean? Go to the doctor's office or play a video game? <laughs> Who yeah. knew? Now, I guess I, it's ahead. interesting, like, why they don't or can't or, or don't track this outside of technology. But I guess the difference is the use of machine learning in conjunction with yep. the movements in the game. Because yeah. it seems like they could visually perhaps depending on the um subtlety of the the um eye movements it seems like you might be able to visually track that as a physician or somebody um yeah i think that's something that they found um during this research but i think that they probably need to do more um a, a broader spectrum of um subjects to verify that this is actually something endemic to those with ADHD. Well, and of course this was a small sample size, but I think this is a good sign because it seems like a relatively approachable way um, to detect this. Right, fun. exactly. It's not traumatic for the patients uh, or presumably it isn't. Right. Yeah, this is neat. So they say we want to develop a gamification based digital therapy that can help children with ADHD get excited about doing things they wouldn't otherwise do. There's already an approved game for ADHD rehab in uh, the US and the team is exploring rehabilitation possibilities uh, in a project with researchers at the University of Oulu. Um, so pretty neat. Um, I dig this and uh, I think it's pretty important the research used Magic's infrastructure, an Alto-led uh, project specializing in virtual technologies. I believe that this is the second time that we've mentioned Magic's um, in uh, uh, from Alto, and so they are highly uh, focused on um, essentially these forward-looking, technologically advanced. Uh, treatment methodologies and discovery methodologies. I think this is great. Um, you know, it, it can't, it just can't all just be about just somebody observing the situation. They need, we need technological solutions because the amount of data that needs to be parsed and cross-checked and correlated and collated is just too, it's beyond human uh, capability anymore. So let's um, let's move on to the next article. I think I threw no, this isn't. I didn't throw this one into the chat. So unfortunately, I think I've got a couple more articles from Wired that are going to cause a problem. Um, they're coming up though, so let's see if I actually get in trouble with it. Um, the next article is over in the Reality Hacker channel. Augmented reality headset uh, enables users to see hidden objects. Researchers developed an augmented reality headset called XAR that combines computer vision and wireless perception to find hidden objects in a room and then guide the wearer to receive the targeted item. Um, this is kind of uh, high-tech hide-and-seek. It's an interesting way to think about it. I wonder if they refer to it as that. So this is actually from February 27th, 2023. The other one was actually a year older than this one. 
Um, and the summary is researchers developed an augmented reality headset called XAR that combines computer vision with wireless perception to find hidden objects in a room and then guide the wearer to retrieve the targeted item. The headset combines computer vision and wireless perception and uses radio frequency signals, which can pass through common materials like cardboard boxes, plastic containers, or wooden dividers to find hidden items uh, that have been labeled with RFID tags, which reflect signals sent by an RF antenna. It, this is actually, yes, <laughs> Uh, but it's extremely limited. Anything that attenuates that broadcast will automatically defeat this. So anything thicker than cardboard, if you put a box, it, well, it depends on the density. Right, you know, but it could potentially block the signal. Yeah, the contents within the box could block it. Um, if it can't bounce around it, then it, and reach the detector, it won't be seen. The headset de detects the wearer as they walk through a room toward the location of the item, which shows up as a tra transparent sphere in the augmented reality interface. Once the item is in the user's hand, the headset called XAR I verifies that they've picked up the correct object. Um, it's neat, but this is basically, yeah, in industrial hide and seek. Their whole goal of the project was to build an augmented reality system that allows you to see things that are invisible, things that are in boxes and around corners, and in doing so, it can guide you toward them and truly allow you to see the physical world in uh, ways that were not possible before. Yes, I think that's great. You can never lose your keys if you have this. Yeah, I'd attach these to the Enreal technology and you'd be able to walk around without being encapsulated in VR space and see where your remote is because all you do is activate the tag in your system. RFID tags are, they don't transmit until they receive an energy source. Right, they can be passive or active, right? Correct, yep, very good. Wow, look at you AI from the future. And so you could walk around with these in real glasses that have this type of technology in place and it would pop up in your living space. You know exactly where the remote is under the couch because the cats knocked it off and then it slid under there. And now it's nothing but one giant furball. But yeah, this is, it's actually pretty good, um, but it's really limited um, in where it can go um, but just put tags all over stuff and that tag identifies the item uniquely and you can always find your keys just with your glasses on. You know exactly where your mug is because it's receiving a signal and activating and notifying your network. Exactly. I mean, think how much time and money this could save individual consumers, but I'm thinking on the industrial level. Think how yep. much money goes to lost items, uh, etc. Yep. That this might head off, or at least minimize. Yeah, there's actually a company that is now um, utilizing drones to do inventory, um, and it's basically sending drones through aisles. And uh, right now, it's set to scan things, but eventually, uh, I believe it'll be doing AR, um, not AR, but um, uh, RFID tags. And so it can just fly up to the container and receive all of the identifiers of the RFID tags and fly over to the next box. The way that that works is great as, uh, as 
hopefully everybody's operating good faith, but we know from talking with uh, the CEO of a resort that you build a better mouse trap and better mice show up. So there was a, a food, um, there was a food program where people were being given the extra food from restaurants um, that wasn't consumed, like not like leftover scraped off of a plate, but extra food that was made and not used by the receivers of the original order. And they would be given to the community. And then somebody figured out that, hey, we can put whole chickens in these containers and then line the top with the donated food. <laughs> and so as a knock-on effect, inventory for the like whole chickens and other food products declined. They treated as loss. They tracked how this happened and found out this abusive tactic and in reaction to it they ended the food donation program wholesale because they couldn't trust that people would just operate in good faith so all of that inventory stuff really kind of falls away and that's why we have humans doing it right now well and the problem potentially with the tags in line with that example right it might detect tags all over the place but are the items actually there yeah <laughs> yeah i was waiting for uh, i was waiting for you to actually say something um yeah so the tag is on the back of a cat um and i'm chasing through the uh warehouse a cat that has a tag on it oh they must have the item nope yeah, that somebody put it on its tail and it's running around maybe crazy. the cat ate it yeah. <laughs> depending on what it was yep um, so this article goes into greater depth, um, but I'm going to let you go and check it all out. Um, it's interesting and it really does, uh, provide a, a potential solution for finding things that are in real space using augmented reality. And that augmented reality device, I think is firmly rooted in, in real. I, I really like uh, the in real solution. So anyway, let's keep on going. I hope that I don't run into the article problem. It's going to suck. Anyway, well, you reality... have two more that are from Wired yeah. ahead. I've already opened those up. Yeah. So Toyota's robots are learning to do housework by copying humans. Car maker Toyota is developing robots capable of learning to do household chores by observing how humans take on the tasks. Um, this is similar to the Baxter robot that uh, is now out of business, but uh, you would be able to pivot the arms and have it pick things up and it would actually be programmed that way as well as other means, but, uh, demonstrative programming actually worked. Again, that company has gone under, so maybe Toyota bought all the IP. The project is an example of robotics getting a boost from generative AI. So it basically analyzes you. Oh, yeah, I don't know if this is going to work anyway. This is the robot um, being told how to sweep um, by uh, uh, a tech sitting there, Will Knight at the Toyota Research Institute in Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, showing the robot how to do a task. And once it knows how to do the task, every other robot can immediately be told how to do the task. 
Okay, so this is rather dystopian, right? Okay, so we're teaching the robot, like, how to be a human. Right. What's the result of this? <laughs> the robots <laughs> then take over for the humans. Yeah, exactly. Hmm? Yeah, why have a human sweeping when you can have a robot sweeping? I mean, a $250,000 sweeper bot can sweep all day long, but a $25,000 a year human, um, well, that's just too damn expensive because they get sick and sometimes don't sweep. Hey, Dunkstar, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Dunkstar said, I shall use it to open cans and back massage. I agree. Well, I mean, that would be well worth the price. $250,000. It's probably more expensive. This is a for a, people a that can't open bot. cans or really need back massages. Who doesn't need a back massage? Actually, I, I don't like back massages. It works while it's happening. But the moment that anybody stops doing a massage, I'm like, just cinch right back up. And... <laughs> it's like a rubber band or something. Yeah, exactly. So after several minutes of tidying, they continue their tour of the lab and forget uh, about their brief stint as a teacher of robots. A few days later, Toyota sent a video of the robot that they programmed demonstrably um, doing the similar action, sweeping up the mess. So it learned pretty quickly. It not only learned, uh, but it started taking a job right out of the gate. So... This is kind of like the uh, people who are helping Uber uh, collect, you know, billions of dollars so that they can buy automated vehicles to phase out the very drivers that everybody is. Yes. <laughs> utilizing right now. Humans. I mean, come on, folks. You, these businesses have to stop being sociopathic. Uh, the reason why your business succeeded is because of humans. You might as well power it by humans. But, you know. Nobody wants to sweep, right? So Toyota, though, is uh, working on making these bots as functional as possible. We're teaching them as humans how to perform our functions. And then we're going to be uh, really, well, we're still upset with other humans taking our jobs, not with automation taking the jobs. <laughs> we're not what? It's like we're getting distracted, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, yeah, a really the neat... humans are the problem. Well, no, not really. <laughs> that that bot is really awesome. Look at that. It's driving me around. It's opening cans. It's giving me a back massage. Ah, wait. I'm out of my sweeping job, and I'm no longer working at the cannery. And well, now when I really need a back massage, I can't get one because yeah. all the stress about losing the job, etc. It's this damn bot behind me that just took my job. Okay, let's keep on going. We got uh, two more articles. So this next article is uh, over in Reality Hacker, and that's what today's show is called. Uh, we we are now up to three shows, one a daily, and uh, Reality Hacker is on Saturday, and the Continuity Report is on Sunday. So be sure to stick around um, after the daily show on Saturday and Sunday. So around 7:30 ish. Uh, it really depends on how long hometown takes hometown daily takes to uh, complete. So the SEC's official X and I don't ever say X, but I'm reading this. The teleprompter tells me to 
The website formerly known as Twitter, uh, their account was compromised and used to post fake Bitcoin news. The U.S. financial regulator says its official at SECGov account was compromised, resulting in an unauthorized uh, post about the status of Bitcoin ETFs. Okay, so this is an official government account yeah. related to the financial system. Yeah. Kind and of a big a, deal here. It caused a spike in Bitcoin. Um, let me make sure. I remember the value. Hold on. Let me see. So right now it's at 42,400 and, uh, sorry, $42,782 and 90 cents. Um, it looks like it spiked to 47,870, um, after the fake post and then yeah. crashed around 3.2% from its original price. Uh, 47, nine, uh, yeah, 47, not close to $50,000, <coughs> but now it's down to 42 again um yeah so the thing about it is that they have an authorized bitcoin there are other crypto etfs but um they're actually by proxy um, crypto etfs so the official account is now being investigated by the uh, uh fbi uh, i won't be able to i have to i have to log in well, I have it up. Let me just see. There's also okay. a recent um, cybersecurity firm that had its ex account hacked. Um, so they're kind of connecting the dots about other yeah. high profile and, um, you know, risky hacks, et cetera. Um, their uh, internal um, uh, lawsuits, I guess, against the company. Uh, that they didn't protect user information, et cetera, which of course would track with all of this. Um, it goes so on with other um, hacks and, and scam messages, like purporting to be official government figures, et cetera. Yeah. So how did they actually get into the SEC Gov account? They haven't disclosed that. I don't think they have. Um, I think this one's too. It's too new. Recent. I, mean, yeah. I don't think they. Yeah, it, it doesn't look like, um, sorry, the account did not have two-factor authentication enabled at the time it was compromised. Um, it wasn't due to a breach of the system, but to an unidentified individual obtaining control over a phone number associated with the account through a third party. So maybe human error. Yeah. And that's what I had called out when we first spoke. Humans are typically the weakest link in security. Dunkstar says pretty wild market manipulation strategy. Yeah. And if they moved fast enough, then they made thousands upon thousands of dollars. If they, you know, previously invested, then they got into the SEC Gov account, pumped it up. It grew by $4,000, $5,000 a Bitcoin, and then they dumped their Bitcoin um, fast enough. But it was only like 30 minutes, I think. Um, it was a pretty quick um, move. So uh, I found it really fascinating. And now what's really interesting is... Uh, Everything is two-factor accounting, uh, not accounting, two-factor accounts um, security in the government and in most uh, government organizations. Anything affiliated with the government pretty much push, pushes two-factor authentication nowadays. So I'm but not sure why But maybe the difference this... is here is because this is on another platform, right? Like it's not on a government website. So maybe it wasn't actually required 
Yeah. You know what? You need to take Uncle Joe's phone away and not allow him to be the one that posts SEC gov content. Everything should always be two-factor authentication. And, and the way that that would have worked was somebody tried to log into the account. It would have sent a notice to the person holding a phone. Hey, somebody's trying to log in and then you can go and investigate this. Don't authorize the, uh, uh, it's weird. It, there had, there has to be somebody that, um, enabled the compromise in some way. I think that somebody just kind of dropped the ball. Um, okay, so let's keep on going. We have one more article for today, and that's in uh, Technology Today. It's usually, uh, like I've said earlier, that uh, we try to keep all of the articles from Reality Hacker in the Reality Hacker channel, but sometimes they have um, information that I think is going to be neat for the Reality Hacker concept. Um, this smart mirror scans your face to evaluate your vital signs. It's a new kind of mirror made its debut at CES, uh, which ended uh, yesterday, um, potentially giving you hints about your blood pressure, stress level and more. Um, I think that if I stood in front of it, it might just shatter. Um, but it's over at uh, CNET.com. Jessica Rendell is the uh, author of this. Um, before I go on, let me throw that into the chat. Um, so a new kind of mirror made its debut at CES, potentially giving you hints about your blood pressure, stress level, and more. Uh, and this is really what it looks like. Now, to me, it seems kind of creepy, um, because it's going to be scanning me and then assessing me based on just random, not random. I mean, it's an educated guess based on my facial features and, and maybe my temperature. Um, but it says here, there's not, uh, there was a lot to unpack this year at CES from the robots to the wacky. Um, and then over to the kitchen for new devices stirring up in the tech scene. We actually talked about some of this stuff, um, each day throughout the week. Um, and of course you can go over to their CNET's best of show, but the Anura magic mirror made by digital health company Neurologics is the first mirror of its kind that analyzes the blood flow in your face to check vitals like blood pressure and estimate your risk of a heart disease. It also guesses your age based on your skin as well as how stressed you might be. Okay, that might be disappointing if, for example, you're fill in the blank age and your mirror says, oh, and they add 20 years <laughs> because your skin. Yeah, it adds it adds 45 pounds, but hey, you're supposed to only add 10 pounds. Get the hell off of my table. Um, I, I find it really interesting because it's external. You could look weathered because you live out in the sun. All right. It's a 21.5 inch screen uh, and holding still while a mirror's patented transdermal optical imaging technology scans your face. It says there is no video, but your data is sent to the cloud where it's analyzed. There's your creepy. <clears throat> um, it's then displayed as different wellness metrics, which can include what the company says is metabolic risk assessments like those for fatty, fatty liver disease, type two diabetes. If you can tell fatty liver disease externally, then you're a wizard. 
Well, then I wonder why it's not that easy going to a physician's office, for example. Yeah. Doctors don't can't even tell you after testing if you've got fatty liver disease unless they give you a test specifically for fatty liver disease. Type 2 diabetes is the same thing. You have to get certain blood work to identify you as suffering from type 2 diabetes. You just being overweight isn't enough to be clinically type 2 diabetes. And I don't want some uh, analysis that isn't based on actual measurements telling me that I've got type 2 diabetes and fatty liver disease. Well, um, this has the risk of like the false positive, right? Mm-hmm, Sometimes mm-hmm. if patients get news that like, oh, they have type 2 diabetes, then they go into a complete tailspin, yet they might not actually have it. But if it wasn't for the cloud aspect, I actually think it's a good thing because if nothing else, it would prompt you to go in and get yeah. a checkup, etc. And you're and it's and it's safe because you're in your own space. But I think the the most hilarious thing about this is maybe it's a long play and that the company has actually invested in gyms. And so it's telling everybody that they're dumpster fires and they need to go to the gym. Right. Meanwhile, the gym memberships are going up. Hopefully not. But <laughs> no, hopefully people are going to the gym. Well, I mean, I mean that would healthy. be good for the health of the population. But <laughs> it's kind of a bias there. So, of course, they say there's caveats, perspective and increasingly wonky world of wellness tech. I don't read the entire article um, during the show, but um, yeah, there's a lot of caveats particularly with just scanners that aren't medical devices. There's a lot of woo-woo in there. Um, And so all kinds of stuff can affect the image. Um, You know, maybe you were just tired and it's sitting there now telling you that you've got some um, thyroid disease or something. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So go see a medical professional and don't just buy this mirror. Do they say how much this thing is going to cost? No, and it's not even available for consumers yet. It is going to be marketed to places like gyms. Mm, Okay. Initially. Yeah. There's a lot of woo-woo in here. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. Go go see a medical professional. And while you're there, tell them that insurance rates are too high. And Oh, no, I can't even talk about it. Anyway, that's it. Um, We are done for today. So everybody get back into the party bus and drive all the way down Main Street. And so um, at the beginning of the show, I clicked on Reality Hacker so you could actually see uh, what the internal um, site for Reality Hacker looks like. And so when we when we refresh it, then theoretically new news comes in. Um, The practice is sound. We usually have all of the news here um but then when you go into a particular section um, it limits it to what has been aggregated and placed into that channel um and we're adding new sources um periodically as we evaluate them and and um, find them as being uh beneficial um yeah that's it Ta-da! we are done for today Uh, So I hope you all enjoyed the show. And if you haven't gone over to twitch.tv slash hometown, that's where you'll find us every day. Um, 
Monday through Friday at 8 p.m., Saturday and Sunday at 6 p.m. for Hometown Daily. And then after that, either Reality Hacker on Saturday or the Continuity Report on Sunday. Um, for more information on that, I'd prefer that you come and swing by, but you can also go to hometown.com and click on the sections. Um, they're always posted over to YouTube and we have a podcast that's for Hometown Daily. Uh, we are not set up yet to do the podcast for Reality Hacker or uh, the Continuity Report, but that will be coming uh, by the end of the month. Ta-da! Uh, I guess we're going to bow out. Hey, Dunkstar, thank you very much for coming and hanging out. Informative and fun as always. Um, not as fun as you. So if you all have never gone over to Dunkstar over on Twitch, go to twitch.tv slash Dunkstar, D-U-N-C-S-T-A-R. And they're over on YouTube as well. Uh, Dunkstar and their... Uh, they have an AI as well. Um, uh, you know, what's interesting about it is... All the cool people do. <laughs> apparently, I didn't know that Timeless underscore EXE was an AI. Um, I, I I thought that it was just Timeless. He's a a, a, a clock. He is actually a clock person. Um, and uh, then I learned later that he was an AI. And I'm like, wait, what? Um, so... Uh, maybe they actually know each other. Uh, mine is from the future and was found on a USB drive outside of a Wendy's here in the United States. So I don't know. Oh, Dunkstar is now saying um, he's correcting me. Sorry, uh, Dunkstar. Thanks for correcting me. He may or may not be AI. He is analog. So not sure how it works. Got it. Uh -huh. okay. Like a Babbage machine, you know, like the old mechanical computers. Maybe. I don't know. Wow. Um, I didn't realize that he was analog. I know that the clock face is analog, but huh, we'll have to, we'll have to investigate this story. So thanks for coming. I really do appreciate you hanging out and chatting. Um, wish we could stay longer, but mayoral duties as they are, I need to get out of here and, uh, I will be going over and visiting Dunkstar later today um, or Timeless. I'm not sure who is going to be streaming tonight, um, but either way, always a great show. Uh, with that in mind, that's it. We're out. I'm Mayor Watt. That's hometown.com. Tonight was Reality Hacker and up above me is the one, the only, the sentient AI from the future saying good night and maybe a few other things and maybe even pick up that can. Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you next week for Reality Hacker, but we'll see you tomorrow for Hometown Daily and then the Continuity Report. 6 p.m. Eastern, shortly after 7 p.m. Eastern uh, for Continuity Report. Have a good night. Hey, and I will let you know that I was talking and the sentient AI sent me error messages like, what the hell, dude? Uh, I'm supposed to say bye but you are not letting me say bye well you were saying all the things i was going to say oh okay <laughs> <Sorry. Sorry. laughs> okay wait dunkstar is saying uh listen to the workings of his brain for a little and you will know quickly that it is run on cogs gears and a little wd-40 <laughs> <laughs> i hear the ticking sometimes dunkstar but timeless is one of a kind. So 
see you soon and um, hopefully see you tomorrow too. That would be great. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey, my outro didn't run. Hold on, folks. Here we go. This is how the sausage is made.